Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 25 of the Hungry for Hockey Talk podcast. I am your host, Grant. As always, our co-hosts, our regular co-hosts, unfortunately, aren't able to make it this week. But I have an even better special guest. We got Carl from the Fourth Line podcast on the podcast today talking Colorado Avalanche today. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. Very excited to be here and uh, obviously excited to talk about my Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, man. We're stoked to have you on. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, let's let's jump right into it, I guess. So let's go playoffs. Let's go playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. After spanking the flames in the first round. Felt great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that hurt, but it hurt. <laughs> Not going to lie. But uh, yeah, the that was just such, such a great team effort by you guys because, you know, you guys came in to that series as the underdogs. Uh, nobody thought that you guys would be able to make it past the Flames' depth, but that was what you used to beat them in turn. So, well, let's let's get your thoughts on that on that series first, and then um, and then we can move on to what you thought went wrong in the second round against the Sharks. Yeah, I I think well. Certainly going into that series, I said the only way that the Avs are going to win this is if we get regular season goaltending performances from the Flames. And uh, and that's not what we got. We got some pretty good goaltending from them, actually. Um, especially when they said, you know, we're going Mike Smith. I'm like, oh, this is, <laughs> this is going to be good, right? Like, let's... Yeah, every Flames fan's like, no! Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and Mike Smith, you know... Apparently, keeping him fresh by not playing him in the regular season helped. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, so he, you know, he was really good. He was good enough for them to win that series, and it was the Flames' top line that really didn't show up. And a big part of that was the fact that the Avalanche were able to uh, rotate between having their what what is often referred to as their top line, but for a large part of the season, they were split up. Um, they would have. McKinnon and Landeskog together and then Rantanen on a second line and being able to alternate that. And uh, Jared Bender did that a fair amount in that series. It makes it so that you can't target just one line. Splitting those guys up really helped mm-hmm. and uh, and obviously did well for them. They got you know good goaltending from Philip Grubauer, which was fantastic and managed to win every game in that series that I wasn't at. So uh, that was fantastic. You know, I'll, I'll take a, a series win if it means that I have to watch them lose in person. Right. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. Um, yeah, the, what, what a great showing by Philip Grubauer. He really stood on his head a lot. And McKinnon, man, just went beast mode after the first game. It was crazy to see, and it was just so. It was good hockey. Like it was just, you can't you can't even be mad um, at the effort and the skill that he displayed uh, in that series. Yeah, it was it was fun to watch. You know, last year being uh, against the Predators, coming in this year, not fully knowing what to expect from the Avalanche. Another season, another uh, year, better. A lot of the guys, right? Miko Rantanen took a big step forward this season. And to see what they could do in the playoffs was, I was really interested to see what that would be. And so, um, you know, we kind of wondered. McKinnon didn't have a great playoff last year. You know, he he was mm-hmm. did well enough, but uh, he, there, there weren't really that many moments that he stole. Not the case this year. There was a, a lot, and even 
even that said, there was times where I, I was like, man, I, I still want more to him. Like I, I saw him in the regular season and knew what he was capable of. I was like, you could be doing more than you are right now. And, uh, and that was okay. Yeah, for sure. And he proved it in, in that first series. Yeah. Um, it was a fantastic time to watch. And, uh, it was a lot of, a lot of fun watching him shut down, especially when you contrast it to what Goudreau Monaghan did for the flames, which was yeah. nothing. Yeah, absolutely nothing. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that was a great series, especially for the Avalanche. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, they 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 moved past the Flames pretty handily in five games. And then the second round, they were playing San Jose, and it seemed like you guys were on your heels a little bit. Uh, the Sharks came in hungry. Uh, they had just come off of a. They went to seven in in their first round, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. That uh, yeah. that crazy five minute penalty. That's Game right. Seven. That's right. Of course. Yes. Against the Golden Knights. So was there something that uh, you saw that the Avalanche were doing against the Flames that they mer- maybe weren't doing against the Sharks? Or what do you think happened in that second round? Was it just that the Sharks were hungrier? They had that momentum carry over from playing a seven game series and the Avalanche were sitting for like a week plus kind of thing. I don't, I don't think the time off really had anything to do with that. I think that the biggest issue for the avalanche was just that, and I know the regular season didn't say it, but the sharks were a better team than the flames yeah. there. You know, the depth of the sharks was better than the depth of the avalanche. Uh, you know, they, even with Joe Pavelski missing a, a large portion of that series, right. He didn't mm-hmm. I believe he didn't return until game seven. I want to say, yeah, and uh, sounds right. And so, from that perspective, you you have uh, just a better team, uh, and so it was a tougher series. I was very excited that they managed to push it to seven there as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, there's nothing to be sad about. The Sharks are a very good team, and you know, we we saw that against the Blues with that series going as long as it did. Yeah, uh, you know, there's. I'm not disappointed in losing to the Sharks. If they had a loss to a a worse team, yeah, sure, maybe. But uh, that was a, a great series, and they learned a lot. There was a lot that they learned. They really struggled in just offensively, and I think a, a large part of that was that the Sharks were so offensively talented. They weren't able to shut them down the same way that they were the Flames. And so the Sharks just had the puck more and and it really made it difficult for the avalanche in a lot of those games to be able to uh, do that. And then on the defensive side to be able to get the puck into the zone uh, was a struggle for the abs a lot in that series as well. So combine the two and uh, a good offense and a good defense usually means you're going to lose. So yeah. Yeah. And it, it also helped the sharks that Martin Jones found his game somewhere along the way. Yeah, I really wish that we had gotten even like first round or third round Martin Jones. I we probably we probably <laughs> win that series, but he he played yeah. a very good seven games uh and mm-hmm. managed to uh, to be good enough to win that for them. So, that was upsetting to say the least. Yeah, for sure. But uh yeah, like you said, there's nothing to be upset about. You guys it was bas- it was a pretty dream season for you guys um cuz you didn't play as well last year. And to be able to make it back to the playoffs this year was um, was a pretty good, yeah, like you said, good experience for the young guys. Um, and, uh, yeah, you guys played well. well and playoffs. I think, you know, last year the Avs were 
bad and then got good and went on a run into the playoffs. This year, the Avs were bad, or sorry, they were, they started the season really well. Uh, them and the Sabres were the two teams. You're like, are these teams for real? And then they, they both <laughs> fell off a table, and the Avalanche managed to pick it back up, unlike Buffalo, and have a very good end to their season and still get into the playoffs. So from that perspective, yeah, uh, I liked what this team showed. And I think that perseverance that they showed in being able to turn things around and get back to the playoffs, really, I never like to say that like they learned from that adversity, you know, like you need yeah. that, but uh, they showed that they know how to make the necessary adjustments. And that becomes a huge part of a playoff series, being able to make those adjustments. And that was a, that was actually a really interesting part of that shark series was how back and forth it was. Cause you would see in one game, you know, one team was looked like uh, far and away the, the better. And then you'd flip back and uh, the coaching adjustments were a big part. And being able to see that that was a, the case through the regular season into the playoffs was really nice. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, like you said, the being able to handle that adversity and um, adjust on the fly is, is a huge, especially in the playoffs. Because like you said, you uh, the avalanche fell off a table mid mid season and they were able to battle back um, the last month they were fighting for their playoff lives and they were playing playoff hockey for the last month and a half. And uh, that was one of the biggest things with the Flames is that they didn't really face a heck ton of uh, adversity throughout the season. Um, they were just kind of cruising after December, really. They had like a, a pretty long stretch of a few losing streaks, but it wasn't really anything that they didn't really weren't, they weren't really challenged leading into the playoffs. And I think that's what was their undoing. And it was also that their stars didn't show up and the avalanche stars showed up. So yeah, it was, it was just a great playoffs by you guys. Great showing. Um, so let's talk about uh, kind of like a year in review. What, what got you, the most excited about the avalanche this past season and where do you hope to see your team improve in the off season via draft trades, free agent targets? Well, if we're, if we're talking draft, uh, this draft is going to be fantastic. Obviously we, uh, having the senators pick, you want to get mm-hmm. number one, right? You, we had the best odds. Yeah. I was very excited at the prospect all season. I'm like, man, could you imagine making the playoffs and getting Jack Hughes at the, at the same yeah. time? Yeah. And it almost happened, right? Yeah. If it wasn't for those. Yeah. You guys got screwed out of that top stupid, three. stupid devils. That's the second time the ass had the number one odds <laughs> and the devils have won it. So, um, I've got, I've got a new rival apparently just, just from the draft lottery. Um, but even still picking a number four and then again at 16, uh, it's mm-hmm. going to be a great draft for the Avalanche. And you're adding that, you know, uh, I'm not saying that whoever they pick, you know, Kako and Hughes, they're going to step in the lineup. I'm not fully expecting the person that they pick at four to be able to do that, but it's nice that that's an option, right? You're able to bring them in a camp, see what they can do. Right. Go from there. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to get a full season of Kale McCarr. That's going to be exciting, right? Oh, you, yeah. you look at that defense and we're going to have Eric Johnson, Tyson Berry, uh, Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard. Uh, Nikita Zadorov, Ian Cole, like we're set. That's our defense. And this is the first time coming into a season for the Avs in a very long time that I can say our defense is set and I like them. Like the fact that, you know, Ian Cole as a, our, you know, arguably our sixth best defenseman, I'm all right with that. You know, that's yeah. a, a thing that I can 
very much get behind. So that's something I'm looking forward to in the next season. Uh, and then obviously seeing some of the other moves they've got. This offseason is going to be very interesting for the Avalanche. They've got a ton of cap space. Uh, they're relying on a lot of young guys, you know, a, a few RFAs to sign, a, a few, you know, minor roles to sort out. But for the most part, you know, they could make some big splashes this offseason. And uh, I'm waiting to see what Mr. Sackick pulls off. So it's safe to say that you believe in Mr. Joe Sackick? Yeah, I, I was as skeptical as anyone during the the start of the Wa Sackick era. And I think history has shown that the poor moves were the Patrick Wa side of that uh, relationship showing through. Um, mm-hmm. Or, and and you know, I'm very okay with this that Joe Sackick has learned from his mistakes, right? Uh, bringing in you know the the big signing it wasn't even a big signing but you know the aforementioned ian cole was the guy that was the big signing for last year and they signed him to a three-year deal at four and a quarter yeah uh, for a 29 year old defenseman you contrast that with the francois beauchemin deal that they handed out when patrick wall was still around (laughs) which was for more money and and i believe the same term like you're giving an old defenseman more money, uh, and I would like to think that that's a, a situation where Sackick learned from what was happening and uh, and is not going to make that mistake again. Yeah, I remember those Beauchemin days. Still trying to forget them. <laughs> oh man! So then, who would you ideally want your team to draft? Like, a, would you want them to get go after a forward, a defenseman? Is there a guy that you a name that you have in mind? I think what's nice about the Avs situation right now is that they can pick best player available, and at at that spot yeah. in the draft, that's what I that's what I want my team to be doing. I want them to be taking the uh, player that's on the uh, without having to you know go around for position and things like that. That said, there's a a ton. It's like you know there's there's the top two, and then it really falls. Not not falls apart after. There's some very good players there, um, mm-hmm. but you know it's not as sure of a thing. No, kind of and thing, so there's a there's a lot of guys potential there. Dylan Cousins, which I you know he's from Lethbridge, been playing in the Dub. Uh, you know a name I'm more comfortable with, or not not comfortable but familiar with. Mm-hmm. You know there's a, a few guys up front. I'll, you know not many defensemen. Bowen Byram, another WHL player. You know, that's a, a lot of what we're going to see, which is nice to to see a lot of WHL guys at the top of this year's draft. Yeah. You know, I like I like Bowen Byram as a potential there if you're going defenseman. Um, and then Alex Turcott as well. You know, lots and lots of, of pieces there. I don't think that there's one that I'm really sold on as like, this is the guy I want. Um, but what I, what I just am is excited for that person to get into camp and to start working their way into the team. Nice. Okay. So is there a free agent out there that you would like your team to, to go after? Well, I mean, I would certainly Matt Duchesne, maybe. Oh, I'm just kidding. Hard <laughs> hard no on that. I've I've done I've put a lot of effort into forgiving Matt Duchesne. Um that being said, I'm not there yet. Yeah. Uh <laughs> no, I'm you know, with with what this team has for, for money next year, they have right now only what seven players under contract for next year or certain. No, that's uh that's for the next season after they've got about uh, what? 15, 16 guys. The, the ones they need to sign the big one, Miko Rantan, they need to give him a contract. That's going to be clocking in unless they go bridge, which just, just sign them, just get it over with, rip the bandaid off. Yeah. Uh, I'm expecting that to come in at about like nine 
uh, nine million if you go for the full term, which is fine with that. Yeah, yeah, I'd say that's fine. so. That's gonna this is gonna be high, right? Um, you know, I would. I actually expect. I know uh, we we're inundated with the Mitch Marner RFA situation, mm-hmm. but I would expect. You know, I would. I would probably not probably. I would rather have Miko Rantanen on my team than Mitch Marner. So, ooh, that's a hot take. Um, well, and, and I, I'm sure everyone will, will claim bias on that, but uh, he showed what he can do more than anyone else. So, you know, being able to do that by himself, uh, stepping out and uh, off that top line. So, um, so we've got that. JT Comfort, Alex Kerfoot, Zadorov all need RFA deals as well. I expect those to come in probably, you know, a, a $4 million ish deal for all of them. So if you say, you know, Let's, let's let's aggressively say five. That's twenty five million dollars for them. We also need a backup goalie. Mm-hmm. That's a thing we'll have to to find. That said, that leaves us with about twelve million dollars. Even if you do two, so that's a ton of money to be able to spend. Would love our Tammy Panarin to come to the team, obviously, because uh, when, yeah. when you sit, when you're sitting with twelve million dollars, you're like, you know what? We can sign just about anyone we want. Right? Mm-hmm. You have that kind of flexibility. Would love if if it was him. Don't expect that to be the case. But there's you know there there are yeah. a lot of very good uh, players out there on the, the market. You know you look after Bobrovsky and Panarin with the the rumor trip of them to Florida. You know there's some older guys, right? If for some reason Joe Pavelski doesn't go back to the Sharks, would love it if if he would switch. You know, and then we can just have him win against the Sharks rather. Um, you know there's. Eric yeah. Carlson, yeah. another shark. We'll just we'll just bring all the sharks over. Yeah, just take all the sharks. Yeah, we'll have you know Gustav Nyquist, Joe Thornton, Eric Carlson. Well, it's like when uh, Korean Solani came to the Avs on that the deals that they got there as a kind of a package deal. We'll just do that with all the sharks. Just bring them all in, yeah. and uh, <laughs> it'll be great. So no, um, you know, there's there's a lot of talk about Kevin Hayes. Yep, I was just going to ask you that of, too. Lots of talk about Kevin Hayes coming to the Avalanche, and that would be a cheaper deal. Right, it, it, he's not going to be getting the the Panarin money. Mm-hmm. I expect it to be, you know, above. I would probably say the number in my head right now is seven, seven mil a season. Okay, that's a little high. Term is the one that I well, I you know I I look and I compare him to what Brock Nelson just got. Brock Nelson just got six by six. Yeah, to go to or with the Islanders mm-hmm. and. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, who would I rather have, Brock Nelson or Kevin Hayes? And I'd probably rather Hayes. So, but you know, six, seven million for him. Um, If it's on a six-year deal, that's fine. He's 27, so it's not like he'll fall apart by the end of that deal. Mm -hmm. So that's one. And with with that team, they have a ton of players who can play center, which is I love the flexibility of that. Right? Like you've got McKinnon. You've got Carl Soderberg, which obviously I've got the Carl bias for. <laughs> yeah, um, of course. <laughs> center in that second line. But, you know, if you could move Soderberg down to the third line uh, and be able to just have that kind of flexibility there, I'm all right with that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm pretty high on Kevin Hayes, to be honest. I, I love the guy. Um, don't really know why. I just I just love the way he plays. He's solid defensively. He can score goals. He's got great hands. He makes good passes, makes good decisions with the puck. And the Winnipeg Jets fell in love with him as soon as they got him. Uh, he's always just in the game. Like, he's in the zone. He, he He's a very aware of what's going on. So anywhere he goes, I think he immediately helps that team. And if he ends up in Colorado, I think that's a great fit because, 
like you said, I think Carl Soderberg would be better fitted on the third line um, as like an extra bit of scoring punch. And um, yeah, he's on that second line with JT Comfer and uh, Alexander Kerfoot. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Like, so, or, or you know, you leave Ranton on that second line, right? And he's yep. Ranton in second line with a Landeskog McKinnon first line. Mm-hmm. It's not not too bad. The other one, uh, I love me some Jeff Skinner, and that's going to be a more that'll mm-hmm. be a more expensive deal than Hayes. But yeah, I would I would not be sad about that in the slightest. I would be very excited to have him on the Avs. Yeah. Yeah, Skinner, I would say, is probably going to be signing for – like he'd be wanting 7.5. Well, he'd yeah, want 8.5 probably, but I could see him signing for 7.5. Deserves it, right? Like he's yeah. he's done it in Carolina. He's – and shockingly, like still – like he, because he's been doing it for so long, I'm always like, man, Jeff Skinner's got to be – 27, mm-hmm. old Jeff Skinner. So Yeah. Um, would yeah, he had a resurgence too. 40 goals. Yeah. Played all yeah. 82 games. Yeah, I always I always had this theory in my head and because it was true for so long when he started there was a, a string of years where he was always hurt and not the case anymore. So yeah, he's he's yeah, thankfully. Yeah. Yeah, thankfully cuz he had so many of those um concussion scares. He he yeah. he really had a lot of those. But uh yeah, thankfully he's it's seemingly like he's moved past it, so that's awesome. Um so you mentioned backup goalie you wouldn't want to entertain the idea of bringing Varlamov back at all? I don't think Varlamov would want the idea of bringing him back. Not that he's had, I think if, if he was, That's if fair. he was okay being a backup, um, I mm-hmm. think he, that he would still wants that chance to be a number one. Um, and, and there yeah. was, you know, he played number one minutes, a substantial part of the season, right? They through the regular season, it was about 50, 50, what him and Grubauer split. It's just, Grubauer had the job for the playoffs, and uh, I would think unless they say, "Yeah, we're, we'll give you," you know, he played he played the more regular season games this year than Grubauer did. So, um, unless they tell him that he's going to get a shot, that it'll be the same as next year, I very much think the Avalanche would be okay bringing him back. Uh, it'll be on a, a cheaper deal than what he's on. He was making almost six million uh, with the Avs, which was a ton. Especially, it feels like one. Well, it doesn't feel like the goalie markets. Uh, pretty soft. So I would say he'd yeah. be clocking in. I bet if you brought him in, no matter who does it, it would be in about the four range. So um, I'm fine. Yeah. I'm very okay paying him and Grubauer that much for uh, for their services. Yeah, the tandem was good. The thing with Varlamov is his injury history. It's, well, I mean, that's like most goalies too. Their groins, they, they, they take a beating. So um he's had a few substantial groin injuries if i can remember correctly yeah and, oh yeah his his groin's a hot mess um yeah but again having grubauer there he doesn't have to be that guy um he can be able to get that time off and rehab and we saw this year he he managed to be able to hold it together um and had stretches where he was the goalie it was just grubauer was the one down the stretch where the abs turned it around um i would not be sad even if it was on a one year deal um, I would not be sad at all if the Avs brought him back. Mm-hmm. O- outside outside of him, um, I'm thinking about who else you could bring in. They're not going Bobrovsky, which, you know, fine, whatever. He's he's really good, but uh, they, they're not going to be paying him the amount that he will deserve. Um, yeah. there's He wouldn't get the minutes there either. No. And yeah. looking at the rest of the league, uh, you know, there's probably, you know, a uh, a Talbot Elliott kind of 
guy, one of, you know, any of the former flyers Mm -hmm. could end up there and I wouldn't be too sad about it. Just someone who um, will be able to take the net for 30, 35 games is good. So, yeah. Okay. So if you were Joe and you're looking at your goaltending tandem, um, Farlamov doesn't want to come back because he wants starter minutes. Are you going to go after a guy that can tandem with, with Grubauer or are you going to just look for a backup and Grubauer is going to be your guy? I I would try hard to get the best goalie that would come in on a one-year deal. That would be, so whether, you know, it's going to cost you three, four million, I'm very okay with that amount of money with, with what they have for a cap situation. It gives them that flexibility moving forward. There's, there's mm-hmm. some prospects kind of in the wings for the avalanche. No one that you're going to super get excited about from the goaltending perspective. So um, yeah, I think that's kind of, that would be the route that I would be going. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so like uh, maybe like a Ryan Miller or a Peter Morazic. Peter Morazic would probably be more, he'd be looking for starter minutes, but. Um, I think now that, now that you've given me the potentials of Peter Morazic and Ryan Miller, I think I'd much rather go with, uh, Pavel Francouz, the guy who, that we signed from the K. Uh, we'd have to bring him back. His deal's done, but uh, I'd, ra- I'd rather have him as my backup than those two. So, uh, <laughs> they, you know, you're not going to be paying a ton of money for either of those guys. So even if they don't pan out, Mrazek somehow managed to goaltend his way to bring conference finals. So who knows? Who knows with goalies? Mm-hmm. If Peter Mrazek, the fact that Curtis yeah. McElhaney was playing in the conference finals shows that you you do not have to be a fantastic goalie to be able to play in the playoffs. You can be a waiver claim. There's, there's going to be people out there that that'll show up and you just mm-hmm. need to be at the right place at the right time. So for sure. Great. Um, so you mentioned earlier that you wanted to get Kerfoot, Comfer, Zadorov, those guys signed. And you, you said that, were you saying that they would each get four mil or it'd be four mil for all of them? Oh no, at least in the in the four mil range each for each of them yeah okay yeah that, and, and that's kind of just uh i would say four or five ish um i haven't really sat down and looked at uh i guess the jt comfort pun but it looked at comps for them um but like <laughs> you know comfort's come off of his entry level deal uh kerfoot's coming off his entry level deal zadora isn't um you know he's yeah. he was on his second deal there already uh at two million or seems an appropriate amount again, depending on terms. So um, those are guys that I think would be there. But you look at the fact that you know they're not paying Colin Wilson four million dollars anymore, so they've got that flexibility. They're not paying a Brooks Orpic a million and a half to not be on the team. That yeah. helps them. So mm-hmm. okay, yeah, okay. So with all those signings and the Rantanen signing uh, that you clocked in at nine nine point five, by your calculations, there's still about twelve million left. You said. I, I, I kind of went aggressive on those yeah. um, and said I, I budgeted those four players at $25 million for next year. Right. And so that's like a very conservative number, which leaves you at about $12 million for next season. So, Including uh, Rantanen's contract or without? Yeah, so, yeah with, with Rantanen. So, you know, let's say $10 million for Rantanen and $5 million each for Confer, Kerfoot, and Zadorov. So that clocks in at 25 of 37, so... Okay, so then you would still have twelve million to play with afterwards. Yeah, 
Yeah, okay. and, and that would essentially mean uh, you need a goaltender and you need just some some minor holes filled with he's coming in. Because, um, right. like, again, you don't need to bring in any more defense when you're set there. Uh, we've got, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So that's, you know, essentially that's $12 million for three forwards and a goaltender, which is pretty good. Yeah, for sure. So the way the, the reason why I asked all that was because I wanted to get your stance on this. Um, after you locked down Rantanen to the extension, would you, mm-hmm. if you were Joe Sackick, would you continue to be, would you be aggressive and submit an offer sheet for another player? And who would you go after? No, I, and sure, there's some players that could be, I guess I wouldn't do it for one of the top players. Like I would not be going after Braden Point or a uh, Mitch Marner, or I know there's a fourth really good player who's on the RFA slot and is... Uh, Lining. Patrick Lenny, that's the one. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't go after one of them. I just think for what they're going to demand market value, they're not giving you a discount because you have to give up picks for them. And so you're giving up four first rounders, which hopefully are you know late firsts. Um, you know, if, if if you've got this kind of a roster, it better be late firsts. But mm-hmm. none, nonetheless, yeah, I don't. I just don't see how it's worth it. Um, I don't think anyone. We'll make a big offer sheet for those guys. There's some, you know, some lower guys, like the ones that you're giving out, like a second or a third, maybe. But at the same time, like you still have to, you still have to sign them to the deal. You still have to get them to agree to it. It's not a guarantee. It's not like a a, a secret thing where you're like, oh, here we go. It's uh, you just magically sign them. I think that's the one thing that people take for granted or forget. Like you can't just be like, I'm offer sheeting you. And they're like, Oh shoot, I guess I have to go to your team now. <laughs> oh, like, you, need, you need, you need to convince them. Like you need to be like, look, sign the contract. They need to agree to the contract as well. Uh, it's not as, not as straightforward as this. Like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the Buffalo Sabres. I'll just go offer sheet Mitch Marner. No, you need to convince Mitch Marner to go to your team. Right. So uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's not that simple. Yeah, for sure. And I think the, <laughs> That was placed on full display when actually the last time an RFA was offer sheeted was uh, Ryan O'Reilly when he was part of the Colorado Avalanche. Oh, Ryan O'Reilly. You remember that one? Yeah. Jay oh, Feaster? Very, very well. The d- yeah. disaster that that became for everyone involved. Yep. Yep. That was, oh man. I, I was so excited when I saw that pop up on my newsfeed and I was so stoked and then it didn't happen, and it was just it was just such a crushing like that was just the beginning of the end for for Jay Feaster as well as as GM because it, it was just such a display of incompetence <laughs> that it was it was awful it was so yeah. bad it was terrible and for those who forget he would have had to go through waivers exactly like the you you've now signed this guy you've given up. You know, he was signed average of five mil. So it wouldn't have been the four first it would have been less than that. Um, but you give up these draft picks for a guy who you wouldn't get on your team. Like, I'm fine that the Avalanche did it. Actually, they got Nikita Zadorov, we talked about, and JT Comfort, we've talked about in the trade for Ryan O'Reilly. So it's not like it's turned mm-hmm. out poorly yeah. for them. That said, uh, just from a pure, if I was not a fan of either of these teams, I would have loved to have watched Ryan O'Reilly go through waivers. Yeah, just what a circus act. Yeah. Like, it was ridiculous. It, and it was, he had to go through waivers because it was right after the lockout shortened season. 
or it was during the Lockwood Jordan season or something. It was something I forget the exact details of it. Yeah, something along. I those think lines. there was a bit of a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think there was a lockout, and the players went overseas um, to play in Russia. And then, in order for them to come back, uh, th- there was a rule somewhere that if you tried to sign an RFA, you would have the the player would have had to go through waivers or something. Yeah. It was just a glaring oversight from by by Jay Feaster, just uh, yeah, just incompetence. It, it was, was it was a circus um, that was both crushing and hilarious at the same time. But uh, <laughs> yeah, well, and and you got rid of Jay Feaster, so that's yeah, always exactly yeah. But he did draft Mark Jankowski, and I remember watching that draft and being furious because we drafted this some sixteen year old lanky kid uh, in the first round. But he's turned out to be a pretty good player, so I'm 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 pretty happy about that. That was the one thing that Jay Feaster did do right for the Flames. There, he t- did take him late in that draft, um, so that's mm-hmm. fine. You know, there there wasn't a ton of great players picked after him, so yeah, sure, that's fair. Cool, man. Well. Um, should we talk playoffs now? Yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, yeah. let's keep going. It turns out it, it's been such a busy time. Uh, I've been so enamored with what's happening with the Raptors as of late. Um, oh yeah, that, that I I kind of forget the fact that oh yeah, there's also still NHL hockey to be played. Yep. Yeah, it feels like so long since we've been able to watch hockey. But tomorrow night it's back. Yeah, Monday night. Yeah. Yeah, finally. Game one of the Stanley Cup final between the Boston Bruins and the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think we can all agree. If you don't live in Boston, you're cheering for St. Louis right now. <laughs> yeah. Should go without saying, right? If yeah. if anyone has listened to the fourth line before, you know uh, full well how I feel about, and, and I'll speak on Nick's behalf as well, how we feel about the Boston Bruins. And now that we have them in the finals, it's, it's all St. Louis all the time. Yeah, for sure. And it just, it it was just such a marvelous season for these guys because, you know, they came into this season with very high expectations. You know, they, they, they made an off season trade for the aforementioned Ryan O'Reilly that we were talking about, signed a couple key veterans uh, to to decent contracts, except for Tyler Bozak. We all know how I feel about Tyler Bozak. Um, I, mean, I, I feel a little bit better. I I love the <laughs> Bozak signing. So, <laughs> but yeah, the, the, this team had a lot of expectations. Jake Allen was was the question mark all season, and he lived up to that question mark by shitting the bed and wasn't able to play well for them. And they were last in the entire league, January third. And then just what a comeback by this team. Jordan Bennington put him on his back and carried them to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, that's a that's a thing that happened apparently. Mm-hmm. I still I still don't believe it. <laughs> yeah, it just like, it doesn't I, sound real. I look at I look at the roster, I'm like, this is a team that should be there. And then you're like, who is Jordan Bennington? Yeah. Right? Like this this is a guy that was nothing to this team, to the organization beforehand, right? And it was literally just what we we have to do something like someone has to play and Jake's clearly not good enough. Uh, he like, he had a, a fairly respectable, you know, nine twenty seven AHL save percentage, but in like 48 games, it's, it's nothing that you can really look at and be like, Oh, okay. Last year in the playoffs, he fell apart in uh, oddly enough 
for the Bruins in the, uh, the AHL. It was just, they, they, he struggled. And so, um, yeah, they give him a shot, and all of a sudden, Jordan Bennington is a guy who I I think we all refuse to believe in for so long. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, because he's just some hotshot rookie tender that uh, you know somebody's going to figure out eventually, and you know he just keeps playing like this kid is has ice in his veins, like he's just unflappable. I have you know goalies are always like a weird bunch. I, mm-hmm. I have never seen a goaltender. <laughs> as disinterested in yeah. everything around him as this guy is like, it's I, in a similar way, like brain Holby is pretty unflappable for a, a large portion, right? Like he just, mm-hmm. he doesn't, he's not flashy to like externally. He just kind of like does his thing. This guy, like he might be the most boring player in the NHL and yeah. it's about to win his team a Stanley cup. If he keeps it up. Yeah. For sure, but it, the the best thing about him too is that he's he's a he's a bit of an oddball too, right? Um, if you've seen any of his interviews, they're they're always entertaining because he's not like a cookie cutter hockey player who just says like, yeah, you know, the team played well in front of me, and uh, yeah, the the defense made sure that uh, I was able to see the pucks all night, and you know, I just steered clear of the pucks, handled the rebounds, and um, was in position and all that kind of stuff, right? Like that's what yeah. all goalies say. Um, mm. But uh, an interviewer asks him a question and um, they'll be like, oh, so so Jordan, what what did you do tonight um, that got you to be so dominant in, in this game? And he, he'd be like, well, uh, I, I don't know. What, what, what do you think I did that was good? Like it, it's just, it, it's like, it's almost like he's trolling the reporters, but yeah, um, He's not doing it in a disrespectful way. Uh, it's just like a, it, it's just refreshing to see somebody, you know, uh, change it up a little bit every now and then. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the funny sure. thing too is that uh, Bennington wasn't even supposed to be next in line, right? Because Vili Huso is one of was supposed to be their their top um, goalie prospect, but when it came time to call somebody up, uh, he was injured. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't he couldn't go, so they called up Bennington to try to throw the dice in there. And boy, did they did that come back yeah. big? Well, and the rest of this team, like the roster in front of him, is very good. Like I mm-hmm. I fully expect this to be a very boring Stanley Cup final because the the, yeah. the Blues <laughs> play such good shutdown game like it it's incredible uh how well you know they get a lead and all of a sudden it it becomes a slog uh and the bruins are not you know outside of a, a few players they're a, a bit of a if not a bit of a, a slower team you know they're a, an older roster there's a lot of guys on that team uh that are not who they used to be if they're you know putting mm-hmm. david backus out there former st louis blue uh you know guy, guys in that realm uh, versus this Blues team that manages to do that. It is, I do not expect an exciting Stanley Cup final, which is disappointing. You always want it. And I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I'm expecting I'm expecting some big hits because both these teams can play that style. They can, they're very built, they're built very similar, I find, these teams. Um, they both can play that heavy style of bruising, hitting, grinding kind of hockey style. Mm-hmm. But they can also play that fast transition um outskill, uh, amazing cross-ice passes kind of game as well. 
so I think you're right. It, it'll probably be the first couple of games will probably be slow. Like they're probably going to try to, you know, make sure that uh, they'll test each other a little bit. But both both teams, I think, will be able to um, hopefully really show their transition game the the later and later it gets into the the series. But I, I'm think I'm I'm expecting big heavy hits to be a factor in the series because uh, you know they they kept it going against the Sharks and it paid off for them because by the end of it their veterans ran out of gas. The Sharks did because you know Couture wasn't able to he was tired. Pavelski wasn't able to play in that game seven. Eric Carlson wasn't able to play. Thomas Hurdle wasn't able to play. I was, I was going to say that not only were their veterans tired, their veterans were dead. Yeah. Like they were just, they were done. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Three series of game sevens will, will do that to you, I guess. And um, the Blues took advantage. They took full advantage by really putting the body to them. Absolutely. Yeah. And making sure that all their checks were finished. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I'm expecting from from this series, and I think it'll be I think it'll be a pretty good one. Well, I hope you're right. I hope that you're right. one thing we will see because, um, like for me, and I don't think it's close. Tuka Rask is if the Bruins win, he's their Con Smythe winner. He's going to be the the Con Smythe winner oh, yeah. there. So, and Biddington, he hasn't been lights out stealing a ton of games, but he's been good enough. So we will see good goaltending this series for sure. Um, mm-hmm. And and that could be that can always be fun. So. Yeah, and that's another thing that impresses me so much with Jordan Bennington is he could let in six goals in one game and then come back and not let in two. Yeah. Just the composure on this kid is is in his first NHL season is remarkable. Mm. And yeah, like you said, Tuka Rask has, has, uh, uh, has been having a resurgence in his career as well. I mean, he, it wasn't like he was playing terribly the last couple of years, but he wasn't playing Rask-like. For a few years yeah um and yeah he's he's found his game again i think he's got like a nine four seven save percentage this playoff yeah, which is insane he has been yeah he's been the you know the, the rest of the team's fine around him but uh he is for sure the reason that they are winning and if they're gonna win the cup it's on him so mm-hmm. yeah for sure and and the the bruins roster is um really well-rounded as well you know, Charlie Coyle and and Marcus Johansson were perfect complements uh, at the trade deadline. Um, their defense is playing well. They're starting to score. And uh, the leadership of, of Zidane Ochara, Patrice Bergeron, uh, Brad Marchand, Pasternak, um, that line is just deadly. So it'll be fun to watch um, the two top lines go at it with each other. Yeah, I just have to hope. Hope of all hopes that we don't watch Boston lift the Stanley Cup. No one, no one <laughs> wants that. Yeah. Yeah. And then another bit of history for you too. Um, the last time these guys, or the last time the Blues were in the Stanley Cup finals, I should say, was in 1970 when um, when they were playing the Boston Bruins. Uh, but they got swept for nothing. Ugh. And Bobby Orr, Bobby Orr was the one who scored that um, iconic game-winning goal in overtime in the fourth game yeah. where he's soaring through the air. So who knows, man? Maybe we'll see another iconic goal this year from someone else. Vlad Tarasenko. Come on, Vlad. Do it. <laughs> Make it happen. Game, game four series clincher overtime. I don't care. Just do it. Yeah, this this would be this be a great a great, uh, a great series. I, I do. I'm really happy. 
Sorry, you go ahead. No, I was just because I, I expect it to not be four games, so it's probably going to be. I would, yeah, I would expect yeah. a, a seven game or not. Uh, for sure, not surprising. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm super stoked for Patrick Maroon um, and his family. Super stoked that Ryan O'Reilly is finally playing winning hockey again. He's found his love for the game. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, after being in Buffalo for so long, <laughs> yeah, but. Um, yeah, man, I'm excited for this series. Yeah, it'll be good, and uh, and the schedule's not too spread out. I mean, it's still spread out. Um, they're getting two days of travel, um, two days off for travel. So it's a bit a bit slow of a series. That's what I hate about the Stanley Cup Finals. Like, why does we don't? Yeah. It doesn't take anyone two days to travel from St. Louis to Boston. It's entirely unnecessary. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. that's what's that's what we get to have. So. Um, It'll be good. We'll uh, we'll kick it off tomorrow night, and it'll uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, for sure. Do you have anything else to add? No, it's uh, it's going to be a very, I think, a fun off season. You know, as soon as this ends, we all turn our eyes to the off season, and with the number of teams, with a bit of you know, what's Tampa going to do? How are they going to handle things? Uh, Toronto, what are they going to do? We've got Iserman in Detroit. How is he going to start shaking oh, things yeah. up there? Uh, out west, there's a lot of things happening. What's Edmonton going to do uh, with their coaching situation now that they've got Ken Holland in there, um, and and all of that? So we've got, uh, you know, what what can Ken Holland do? Is he going to make any aggressive moves to shake things up in Edmonton? Uh, it's going to be. I think this is going to be one of the more fun off seasons we've had in a long time, which probably means it's going to be real dull, and uh, and we're just going to be waiting for like the. <laughs> a shoe to drop and it's like well brain point hasn't signed so no one's doing anything yeah yeah that's funny how that tends to happen eh? it yeah it's going to be like uh like the old trade deadlines but hopefully i'm wrong and uh and we can have a flashback to uh i don't even remember how many years ago it was but that the one day that we had the stamco steal we had the taylor hall trade we had the pk trade right i, I want i want yeah. one of those give it can I please yeah. have just some crazy trades, some big signings, all in one day, one week? Um, you know, it'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I remember that day. I was devastated about the PK Subban trade. Yeah, that was fun. I, I just I remember running around the office at work, talk because like the there was one other person who cared about hockey at the time at my work. Yeah. And I'm just running around, being like, <laughs> trying yeah, to find him. I'm like, hey, hey, Samco signed. Vicky's gone. Taylor Hall. Ah, and, and, yeah. and her, her mom was an Oilers fan, so she was yeah. trying to console her mom and be like, "It's fine. Adam Larson's going to be okay." Yeah, he's no. Okay. No one thought that, but that's, that's what you tell people in their time of need. You lie to them. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> tell sweet, sweet lies. Yeah, <laughs> just make it all go away. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that that probably made me feel a little better after seeing that uh, it was a one for one trade. For Hall and Larson, uh, but it still took this. It was still a sting. It was there was still a sting. From, uh, yeah, let's let's have some fun this off season. General managers, tuning in. I know you all are. Make it happen. Exactly. Yeah, precisely. And yeah, we'd love to to jump on your on your pod uh, to discuss this stuff when when the news breaks. That'd be super fun as well. If you'd love, if you would like to have us on. Yeah, it's we'd uh, love to jump on. It's- it's always a, a fun time being able to come on your show and be able to talk about, uh, you know, the avalanche and some of those things, and uh, and we'll see what see what happens. You know, it's the off season is always a weird time. So yeah, for sure. 
Well, Carl, thank you so much for jumping on the pod. We really appreciate you come spending your time um, chatting with, with me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, give uh, give everybody your social media, um, how we can get a hold of your podcast, all that good stuff. Well, we are, I am one half of the Fourth Line Podcast. Me and my co-host Nick uh, come at you every week. He was off on Vancouver Island this week. So, you know, we didn't Beautiful. do a show this week. And so we're very excited to be back at it tomorrow. It feels weird taking a week off. I guess that's, that's also why it feels like I, there hasn't been hockey for so long. I haven't, yeah. I haven't <laughs> talked about it. Uh, so it's nice to kind of prime the pump here with you to get back into the groove of it for tomorrow. Um, so every Monday we do a show, fourth line pot, the fourth line podcast.com at fourth line podcast on Twitter. Uh, and we always like to have some fun, especially in the off season. Things get a little, uh, a little silly, you know, you, you give us till like the second week of July and we're like, all right, now what? Uh, so who knows what we're going to get up to this off season. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, but we always like to, you know, have some games, uh, play some games, have some contests, things like that on the show. Uh, and obviously talk about hockey as well, but, um, so that'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. So tune in there. Uh, if you, if you're looking for another hockey show, would really appreciate the listen. So beautiful. Great. Yeah. Everybody go follow these guys at fourth line. That's with a four, the number four TH line podcast on Twitter. And uh, yeah, jump on these guys' podcast. They're a great pod that we enjoy listening to. And we hope you guys do too. Well, and thank you very much for having me on. Uh, it was a lot of fun. So uh, look forward to, to more of your show and to, to tune in as the off season comes with you as well. Yeah, I appreciate it, buddy. We appreciate you coming on as well. And uh, yeah, everybody, we'll catch you next week. Happy Stanley Cup Finals week. Uh, Looking forward to that game tomorrow. So we'll catch you later. See you, everybody. Bye-bye.